This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Jeff, Chris, back for another week of fun and frivolity. Chris, we have to talk about the story that the entire wrestling world right now is talking about. Uh, oh, big, huge deal. Okay. I know you believe this too. Sure. Plaid I think, they, I think they broke up the hunt. Oh, I, I gotta tell you <laughs> this Eddie Dennis, this guy. Pro wrestling has a new top heel this week. Um, and life, honestly, has a new top heel this week. Uh, a bit of a wagon, if you will. <laughs> They've replaced him with Tyson T-Bone, I think. Unless they're going to make it a three-man. I, ho- I was hoping they'd make it a three-man, but it sounds like they got rid of him. And I I'm wondering like if, like, thing. Hitchman is being rebranded, maybe? Like, they might, might be. be... <laughs> yeah. 86 Oh, he might be 86 I don't know. I mean, he's short. He's not a WWE looker type of thing. I don't know. I don't know. I I was just, that just made me sad. I I love Mike Hitchman. I think that like this faction one, I think the faction worked with Dennis, uh, Lieutenant, like a Tyson T-bone. And then the hunt as the tag team slash henchman, here come the hunt. And you know, they do the thing. And in that setup, Hitchman makes perfect sense. Like should Hitchman be the leader of a faction? Probably not. I haven't no. seen him do a promo in a while, but like I, I would say, probably not. But in in this role inside of a faction as like the you know the blade and knife sort of tag team, yeah, go ahead, man, let's do it. Man, give make him a three man. Don't get rid of my boy. Don't get rid of my boy, the wild boar. I love that. <laughs> I, love, I just love him. He's just he's so adorable. I just it I was wanna, very well. <laughs> here's the thing: if you were writing him off, you wouldn't have included him in that package. That's true. Uh, he was actually we, we, edited into the package. Like, like he was being penalized. Yeah. For, for those, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the AEW stuff in a moment. Uh, you wanted to talk about renting. Uh, n- not about renting per se. I, I, okay. I wanted to talk about essentially manifesting reality by thinking about something, Jeff. I wanted to get deep again, as, as I want to do with these opening Because we are a deep show. <laughs> we, no, I like to think that Shake Them Ropes, named after the Ultimate Warrior, who was a bit of an internet philosopher himself, you might remember, has always been the thinking man's pro wrestling podcast, and women. And honestly, not just thinking men and women, thinking everybody. Everyone can think and listen to Shake Them Ropes. Uh, and that's the spirit of this show. And so I do another show where I, I think often. Uh, it's called Don't Worry About the Government. And, and one of the things I like to think about on that show and have thought about for a long time 
has been cameras and surveillance and Fourth Amendment issues. But, like, I literally just did an episode on ring doorbells. We were just talking about cameras uh, two weeks ago on the show, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and over at Don'tWorry.tv. But this week, I'm working. I'm plinking along on my computer, doing my little worky work stuff. And I hear, like, a kerthud on the sidewall of my apartment. And I'm like, what is going on? I walk and I see that there are like these worker people at the window and they're doing something that appears to be on the roof or whatever. And, you know, I go back to work and I do my thing. Later on, uh, behind me, you'll see there's there's a window right there. Yes, by the way, this is the first week ever that we have our cameras on to, to do yeah. this podcast. Yeah, this so, is like so, video so now shake I get the ropes. ropes. But, but you see, they're listening, so they don't they can't see the window behind you, but I can. Yeah, well, so they can't see that I have a shirt that says, I'm a great listener. It's got a Fennec Fox on it. Yeah, You see that, Hawkins? You see that? It's, it's, a, yes. it's an adorable Fennec yes. Fox. It says, I'm a great okay. listener. He's got big ears. Point being, so outside that window right now is a camera. And they put a camera right on like the wall of my apartment. I have two cameras on either side. Not actually pointing in at my apartment, but on either side of my apartment. Uh, which... It was, it was so surreal when I went to go and put that blind up and I look outside and I see like a camera like, what is going on? Someone's and hoping now- for a sex tape. Someone is hoping for a sex tape. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. So like to this point, the one is pointing out to the driveway. So like, I don't know. You're not okay. going to get a sex. And the other one is pointing down the walkway. I've ra- ran the entire gamut though on these cameras on like, you know, I had a break in last year. So on one hand. Kind of feel a little bit safer. On the other hand, I I do have thoughts about like just having like a camera randomly rolling and like some of these security guards that we've had working here have been kind of of uh, dubious character. You might remember the one guy who like accosted me. Like, remember it's a couple years ago. Told you the story. Yes. Yeah, I had the date and like he like came up on me and the date when I was walking her back to her car. Anyways, we've had some dubious people. I don't like the idea that that guy would be watching these cameras. Um, And then I look out the window today, and it doesn't look like it's even plugged into anything. Like, there's no wires or anything, so it might be running wireless. But I was, like, now wondering, how is this camera getting power? Maybe they just put cameras there to make you think that you're being surveilled. And then there's a little red blinky light inside of it. So I was thinking, like, is this literally just the shell of a camera (laughs) with a red blinky light inside that is not actually recording anything to anywhere? I've been running the entire spectrum of emotions on cameras here. This has been tough for me. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for your That's support. You to say? Okay. That's the whole story. <laughs> uh, it, uh, you, think, you think about it, you make it reality sometimes. Cameras are complicated, Jeff. <laughs> yes. Uh, getting into the news. WWE announced WrestleMania tickets priced from $35 to $2,500 per night will go on sale March 16th. Why does $2,500 get me? Uh, I don't Probably a like a front row with a pod. Do I get the back? Do, do I get like, like <laughs> they, <laughs> you get they, the had, they had a commercial tonight with a vaccination site, which is amazing on many, many fronts. How does that work? <laughs> how, like, like, like how, uh, what are the politics for them getting the vaccination site? Like vaccine? Like they're not, I mean, they are handing it out, but they're also like, not just handing it out. Yeah. Uh, look, as they put all over SmackDown tonight, hey, 
WrestleMania is back, baby. Gets better. A few months ago, the hope was to put 30,000 in the stadium, but based on a meeting this past week, it looks like the goal is now 45,000 each night, which yeah. is three court, which is yeah. 75% capacity. Mm. On March 10th, the city of Tampa had a meeting with some local hotels, and the hotels were told that the WWE is pushing to run Raymond James Stadium on April 10th and 11th at 75% capacity. capacity for a WrestleMania. The capacity for WrestleMania with the stage would have been 60,000, which is where the 45,000 number comes from. Chris, your thoughts? Why not 60? Honestly, why not 75? <laughs> Like, you know, just, 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 we're open for business all the way. Get him in. America is back, baby. And, and, and nothing says America is back like WrestleMania, uh, a, a product that is white hot right now. You look at the ratings week to week, people love wrestling. And I don't think anything would really kind of signal that we're back better than a huge WrestleMania this year. See, this people is the love first this week edge angle. This is the first week you can see me roll my eyes at you when you do <laughs> things. Uh, no, yeah, I think that I, this is psychotic, Jeff. I, I think that this I, is, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't. No, I, I, <laughs> it, it, in the worst parts, the instinct, right? Like they were set for thirty. It's questionable that they're going to get thirty in, uh, and it's obviously questionable from a moral standpoint if. They're gonna if they're gonna be able to get thirty in in a safe way, but then to go, you know what, thirty, we can push it, let like make it th- bigger, like they're playing blackjack or something, you hit know, me. It, it hit me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sixteen, <laughs> I like my chances, twenty, there's four aces in the deck, the hell with it. You I know, just think <laughs> it's, it, I get it, I get that Vince is upset. That WrestleMania was taken away from him last year from COVID nineteen, and it's like for he for all the different things he's been able to beat in his life, this stupid virus that he can't even see took away something meaningful from him, and he wants to get right on this. But, Speaking of which, they're gonna do both classes of the Hall of Fame this year in one ceremony, which I think is I think we're bringing back the five minute clock again. You remember with the Funk Brothers, who are legends of this, they got five minutes to sum up their career and get out. You know, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't. <laughs> I, they just don't care about this situation. It has never been anything more than an inconvenience for mm-hmm. WWE. Uh, and at most an opportunity to market themselves as being really good on COVID-19 safety. Hey, remember that award? Remember that award? Yeah. That's how they got the vaccination site. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know more about that too, Jeff. I want to understand how exactly we're getting the vaccination set up for WrestleMania. Like, surely there's some state officials making decisions on that front. John Laurinaitis is back, a.k.a. Johnny Ace. He is back in charge of talent relations. Laurinaitis' official title is the new general manager of talent, a newly created position. Basically, talent relations is being split into talent management and talent branding. There will be someone as head of talent branding whose job it is to book WWE talent for outside appearances, commercials, movies, and third-party engagements, which, by the way... All those bookies will probably go against their downside guarantee of some way, much like Asuka shilling corn dogs right now. 
I think there's another thing at play, though. I think oh, that position's it. real job is to keep an eye on Twitch and all Ooh. the other sorts of streams and stuff to make sure that that brand is not going any place that WWE doesn't want that brand to go. Okay, I can buy that. Uh, Andrade requested his release. According to Wrestling Inc., Dave Meltzer updated later tonight, said that WWE has not granted them their release, or his release. I just view this as using whatever leverage you can and making it known that you're unhappy and maybe they'll maybe they'll placate you because your, your, your girlfriend is very well liked within the company. I would also probably assume that Charlotte at some point may have to leverage if he wants to stay. If he really wants to leave, you know, I New Japan is calling. Los Ingobernables is calling in New Japan. I am fine with that. Oh, well, yeah, he'd do had, great in yeah, New Japan. Absolutely. I made a point that uh, Santos Escobar is basically doing what Andrade should be doing on the main roster right now. That's that's his gimmick right there. That should be him. And the mask taking it off, going down, the whole spectacle, everything. That should be him right now. But let's face it, he had one of the best takeover matches in history against Gargano in Philly. I was there live with Rob McCarron watching it. It's fantastic. <clears throat> Vince doesn't know how to work with anybody who's not in their little box. And there's a second thing when you bring up the Santos Escobar comp. And I think you're right, by the way. I, I think, uh, you know, we've seen Escobar as King Cuerno have different looks and he can occupy many different persona. But this Santos Escobar persona that he's doing right now is very much what Andrade Cien almost would be doing. However, and that's no slight on him. That's no slight on Santos Escobar at all. I no, 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 I think no, 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 no. I love Kim Cuerno slash Santos Escobar. No, I'm a huge fan. I'm What I'm getting to is that Escobar was able to take the spot because Escobar is better at the English promos. And it was always a problem for Andrade Cien Almas. And that's why he had Zelina Vega. And, and that was a great formula. It really was. Except that Vince doesn't like the manager formula. And it never actually helped Andrade get better at doing these promos. I think part right. of the pairing with Zelina should have been, or one of the goals of that pairing should have been, to help him advance as a character, as a speaker, as someone who can talk on the mic, and he never was able to. No, and if you remember, they re-signed Alberto Del Rio for the reason that, oh, he's he's tall, and he's Hispanic, and he can speak English real well and cut those promos, and then they... They promptly made him a heel again, and <laughs> it was just stupid. Uh, yeah, I uh, I kind of hope he gets his release. I hope a lot of people get their release so that they oh, can go yeah, be happy. Oh yeah, for for my viewership, I, I they're get hoarding. They're hoarding people. Yes, yeah, that's point. the business strategy, though, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I, as a fan of wrestling, as a reviewer of wrestling, I want to see better stuff. Uh, I would like more watchable product. And in a lot of cases, these guys who are being hoarded right now, the whole point of hoarding them is so they can't do more interesting things. So, yeah, no, it sucks. But at the same time, I get that it's a rational business move on sublevel. I understand why WWE is throwing their weight around. In the same way, like, I, well, I was trying to think of an analogy for this, but you and I both play poker. Think about when you're playing poker and you've got the big stack at the table, 
Yeah. The the big stack is always just going to like bet into pots. Uh, I don't want to get too into the weeds for poker players here. They're just throwing a little bit of money around to force action, to force movement because that's what you do is the big pot. You have the power at the table and you're trying to intimidate the smaller stacks into either going all in or getting out of the pot because you don't want them hanging around to get a hand. You so think that AEW of all companies with all their casino branding might understand this metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, WWE confirms NXT UK's Ben Carter has been renamed as Nathan Frazier. Why? Why? Star making change. No. No. They gave him video vignettes with Seth Rollins, giving him the rub. He comes in. He has a great match with a kid. He loses, but it's a great match. Puts him on the map. We're just going to change your name and and hope all's forgotten. You, I mean, you missed another key part here, too. He was on the competition show as Ben Carter. So you could be like, <laughs> oh, Ben Carter, remember when he was on AEW? Well, he's over on yeah. NXT UK now. He's doing these cool matches. Instead, you got this dynamite name of Nathan Fraser. <laughs> Fraser. Uh, if, if, not Fraser. memorable. And, no, it reminds memorable. me what it makes me think of is this one interview i have no idea when i saw this where brendan fraser was doing an interview with someone and correcting them that his name is not fraser it's, it's fraser. fraser yes okay yeah and that's what i think of whenever i see the name fraser got it got it got it wws filed the trademark for subculture I I I can't I can't imagine. Oh the oh, suck! I know what this is. It's what a is slapjack it? subculture. <laughs> He's making a breakaway group. People, Ali is a sandbagger. The slapjack <laughs> snapback subculture. I'm here, baby. <laughs> I thought it was something with Peacock or the universe, but <laughs> slapjack subculture. Jackalopes unite. <laughs> Oh, I love that you popped me. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the we'll get to the slapjack update when we get to the main roster. A little bit later, people. Uh, <laughs> Hang in there. Oh, peacock update. Okay, they have not called me. I was supposed <laughs> to go on. I have. I was supposed to go on fightful tonight after SmackDown and uh, talk about my candidacy, but I had workmen coming into my place, so I couldn't do that live. But I'll be on Smack or I'll be on the SmackDown review show next week. If I'm still a candidate, I'm going to start my write-in campaign. Should be polite. Just at Peacock and say, hey, how about you consider Jeff Hawkins for the role of charge of editorial for WWE? That's I'm over here making bracelets with how to spell his name because my understanding is in this campaign, you've got to spell his name right in order for the votes to count. <laughs> well, here here's some uh, further information. WWE made an announcement about moving everything to Peacock starting on March 18th. Uh, they will start Peacock with a page where fans can access every pay-per-view starting in 2020. Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, WWE Chronicle, and WWE Icons, plus new NXT TV the day after they first air on TV. All 2021 Raw and SmackDowns, aside from those within the 30-day television window, WWE 24, The Undertaker's Last Ride, WWE Untold, Total Bellas, and more. There's a report that there will be no more match markers, and there'll be a scaled-down search feature when it moves over there. But the plan right now is the complete migration of the complete 17,000-hour library of what was on the WWE Network by SummerSlam. 
Peacock will also have a free channel, which will air Miss, Ms. and Mrs., Total Bellas, Total Divas, Raw Talk, and The Bump. Your thoughts? They need a channel that just runs random wrestling Me. matches. What? Me. No, they need, yeah, obviously. But they need another channel. So you've got the talking channel. Or whatever, and the Miz and Mrs. Yeah. and like kind of the reality TV thing. They need one that is just wrestling matches. Just like they need a hub. En- they need a endless, hub on that an thing. Endless stream, and then yes, you need like an actual like kind of channel channel thing. But like an endless stream of wrestling matches is one of those things that if you could find it on YouTube, if you could just pop it on your TV, have it on, you, even if it's sound off, that's the type of thing that people would have on while they're working. You know, like if yeah. you just stumble upon a stream of wrestling matches, you know, you might just watch it. Um, if if it's like all of the hyper packaging of WWE and stuff, that that's gonna, especially for laps fans, too much. They need to be able to walk in easy and walk out easy, and kind of an endless stream of wrestling, uh, with kind of no beginning, middle, or end is the sort of thing that people keep on for four or five hours. As seen on NXT this week, NXT. Takeover, Stand and Deliver will be two nights. First night on USA, giving it a probably a good buy as it moves to Tuesday. Not yet approved, but Stand and Deliver. Second night will be on Peacock. I was uh, trying to play Stand and Deliver. Yeah, uh, I was. I was in the Edward James Olmos movie where 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 they teach calculus to kids. It's one of my mom's favorite movies. But uh, yeah, so NXT Takeover will be two nights which I believe brings the total number of nights of consecutive wrestling by WWE in some form that week to nine. I believe we're getting nine hours straight of programming from WWE. what it sometimes lacks in quality, (laughs) you can often cobble together in just sheer quantity. Uh, No, it's the... it is it's overkill. It is overkill. Why do you think when I'm talking about what's the free pitch look like? My pitch for what would be a nice enhancer to get new eyes on the thing is something that does not require nine min or nine hours of your life. Yeah, nine hours. Nine days. Nine, nine days. Sorry. Nine days of your life. I'm talking about something that you can walk into and walk out of in 15 minutes because you know what the average length of a monetized YouTube video is? 10 minutes. It's not 9 days. Um this is where consumers are with product these days. If you want if you want my arcane reference of the week, uh go watch Defending Your Life, the Albert Brooks movie. And they always ask, how long is your trial for? And, you know, really, you know, really good people were like four, five days. Albert Brooks goes, nine days. They go, nine days. <laughs> Drink more sake. <laughs> because he had a sushi place. Uh, I recommend the movie, by the way. But, yeah, that's too much. Uh, WWE hired a new announcer, as we saw on Monday. Kevin Egan. He will go by the name Kevin Patrick. He'll be an interviewer on Raw and do play-by-play for main event, as well as host Raw Talk. I'm assuming this is because Charlie Caruso is getting more ESPN time or maybe going there permanently. He had been working for CNN International, had hosted a sports show on Sirius XM, broadcast Atlanta United Soccer on Fox Sports South. Originally from Dublin, Ireland, he was a soccer announcer who covered the 2004 Olympics and also some games over here and had become a host on BN Sports. Saw him uh, on Monday. He was a little shaky in that first interview with AJ Styles. 
getting a little international flavor on Raw. It's kind of interesting. It is interesting. Uh, I don't. I don't hate it. I guess like he doesn't seem untalented or whatever. I it's just why there's this trepidation in my voice and sort of like a thinky eyes thing happening right now is I just have a hard time seeing how Vince and the writers are going to work with Kevin given that they've been writing for no knock on Dasha, but like, you know, the term Dasha bots comes to mind where there's just like a ton of different people who have kind of filled that role. Like they have, they've been typecasting that role for a very long time. And I don't know how British guy is going to work in that slot. Irish, Irish, Irish. I I feel like that's jumping down my throat. No, no, I'll tell you, this is going to be the problem. Is that I don't know that Vince is going to necessarily always, he'll say British guy. And he won't won't learn after the first time he gets corrected (laughs) like I will. You're being sarcastic, right, about this Dasha thing? Because they're just talking mic stands. They never do any in What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? How do you feel? What's I your just, plan? I see this guy becoming either not lasting. Mike Wallace? Very... Is he going to be the Mike Wallace no, 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 of no, no, WWE? No, 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 no. Okay, so here's the tracks. <laughs> One or two things happens. Either he's just like not there very long, and and what we've done here I is I think op- that's going to happen. Uh, I think that's is, the yeah, I, I actually think that's the most likely outcome, too. Talks funny. Don't want him. He's good yep. looking, but he talks funny. That's my, yeah. And that's my whole point about these talking mic stands is like he doesn't actually fit the talking mic stand role. Or he is going to have to do slapstick, like taking swirlies and going through like the concession booth. He's going to dress up as a leprechaun or as yeah. a Seamus fan. He's going to be like mini Seamus. Oh, I'm Braun Strowman will like, yeah, will, you know, yes, throw him into a peanut stand or something like that. <laughs> the Kevin Kelly, the new Irish Kevin Kelly. That's yeah, he will be. have to do pratfalls and stuff. If he does yeah. pratfalls, he might last. But otherwise, I think he's not going to be in the company very long. Injury report. Anthony Bowens of the acclaimed went uh, un- went uh, under the knife for knee surgery. Serena Deeb also as well. Arthroscopic knee surgery. And Asuka, our girl, last week on uh, Raw, sustained a concussion from that kick to the head that knocked a tooth out by Shayna Baszler. So she is going to be on the shelf for a while as well. Man, um, I think it's an interesting opportunity for Max Caster, the uh, tag team partner. Uh, in the I Atlanta. agree. I thought he was pretty good in that in that ladder match, by the way. Uh, th- I see something in that guy. I think that he has a nice singles run in him eventually. Uh, ratings. I got the numbers, not the ratings. Of course, AEW doubled up in the demo. But AEW, kind of a disappointing number. 743,000 coming off a of pay-per-view to NXT 691,000. I think you can blame a lot of this on the challenge. You can blame the South Park pandemic special. In a way, uh, but yeah, interesting coming off of a coming off of a rather big pay per view. Yeah, that's what I was say. I, you can talk about South Park, and you can talk about the challenge, but what you got? Trying to the... think of a reason on the fly. I'm sorry. No, no. Hey, hey. It, it, like, look, I, I'm sure a lot of people, uh, especially optimists, would would try try to look for a reason why. But I think. If you bought the pay-per-view, you want to at least see what the aftermath was. But if you just heard about how the pay-per-view played out, you probably weren't super eager necessarily to see what the aftermath was. Or I think there's another demographic who were interested in what the aftermath was 
in a Tommy Wiseau, the room sort of way. Like, how are they going to write themselves out of like this shockmaster incident sort of thing? Let's get AEW out of the way first because they have a lot more product to go through. Um, we're not gonna go through match by match, but uh, did do they you have watch eleven days? <laughs> did you watch Revolution? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. I, I and actually, I thought I, it was. I thought it was oh, a good show. I, yeah, I, I did too. I know, I, I know. I just uh, compared it to the room and the Shockmaster at the end there. But like, I thought on balance, the show was really good and well worked. Um, the surprise for me was how much I enjoyed the Sting and Darby Allen cinematic match. Yeah, because <laughs> like, there are a lot of things in that match that are not Chris things that I ended up getting really into. I thought Sting looked great. I thought it was well shot. The soundtracking was a little weird, but, like, I just really enjoyed that. And there are a lot of these matches that I, I like. So, yeah, we, let's go through it match I, by match, too. Oh, do you want to? Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I would have I preferred if they hadn't done the commentary live. I think that, oh, was, yeah. a, that was a bad move. Um, that was yeah, goofy. I, I guess we can get to this when we when we get to the match. Yeah. So so go ahead and get uh, quick thoughts here because we got a lot of wrestling to cover. But uh, go go for it on on uh, on the matches. Um. Okay. So we had Young Bucks defeating Jericho and MJF to retain the titles. Um. Yeah. I thought, it, fine. Uh, it was fine. fine. Yeah, it was fine. Pre-show match was Thunder Rosa and. Um, or no, who, who was the Riho versus Rio and, Britt Baker and, and Maki and Ito. Baker. My, Maki my Ito. look, we'll talk Maki, about her when we get to dynamite. Oh, uh, all right. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah I, I have, I have strong thoughts on Maki Ito. I do uh, too, but mine are positive. It sounds like yours might be negative. They are mixed. Uh, and it's okay. strong in all directions. Um, okay. so, so then we have, uh, Ray Phoenix and Pac winning the tag team casino battle royal. I thought really probably the biggest thing here was uh, uh, what's his name turning on the Nightmare Family. Oh, uh, QT Marshall. QT Marshall. I want to call him C.W. Anderson, uh, which I, I knew just, was yeah. I I didn't understand. Boy, they I, you keep hearing that they're gonna build Jungle Boy up, and I get that this might be the process, but this was a time to give him the win. Give him the win, even though the Jurassic Express has kind of played a bit. I don't care. Make Jungle Boy a star if you're going to make him a star. He needs to get big wins. No, I, I'm with yes. you. It, like, like Jurassic Express is kind of played. Um, they're not really kind of in a real serious chase for the titles right now. But if you give him a win along the way here, you're setting him up for the singles run. Right now, as I'm sitting here and thinking about, like, what is the singles run for Jungle Boy kind of predicated on, I can't think of that big, like, he he went the distance against Jericho, and, like, that's the big match I can think of. Um, He didn't even win that match. He just went the distance. Jericho was like, I don't think you can last 15 minutes, and Jericho didn't even want to give him the W. Yeah. Like, he gave yeah. Orange Cassidy. And, 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 yes, Jungle Boy went the distance, but... Next. Next, we had the women's championship match. Uh, Hikaru Shida defeating Ryo Mizunami to retain the title. I really enjoyed this match. This is a pretty good match. I liked it. There's a lot of Dusty Rhodes in Ro. There is yeah. a lot of Dusty Rhodes in her. I don't know if I like that or not, though. That's the thing. Is is the, the sports entertainment aspect of her act 
where she's doing like the miming and the rope. And it's like, I'm in a box. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I appreciate it for what it was, but, uh, it's not yeah. my, it's not my style. I just thought it was like sufficiently stiff and well worked in, you know, sometimes these matches can be a little variable in quality. Okay. Yeah. Um, next we had Miro and Kip Sabian defeating Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Um, Orange Cassidy, in my opinion, has been a real loser over the last year here. Like, just mm. like, not it's a lack of crowds. It's a lack of crowds. And that hurts waiting too. For the crowd. But yeah. The, yeah, but, but this holding pattern angle. So like, it is a lack of crowds and, and I think the lack of crowds motivated them to go let's put him in this forever long angle with kip sabian and miro this is a holding angle for them however this angle is very boring um it's not going anywhere and it's not really building up orange cassidy and this match is a problem because this match was really centered on miro and all of the action, all the like discrete plot points in this match centered around Miro. Miro not caring about Penelope Ford's safety. Miro like kind of bullying Kip Sabian and Penelope at the end of the match. And Orange Cassidy didn't did he tap out or was it Chuck who tapped out? I don't remember to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, but I, like, I like I like yeah, Born Again Hardcore Miro though. I like that uh, you know the, the, I mean the the Penelope part kind of kind of lame but uh i think they're gonna break that group up and finally make miro kind of a killer so i'm cool with that i think i'm cool with that if they do that but miro's gotta start realizing less is more when it comes to these promos and yeah, a, lot, a lot of the stuff that he's doing he's he still has a lot of wwe in him still in terms of his promo yeah, and, and then there's other instincts that I'm noticing in him that apparently WWE checked uh, that that are also getting in his way. So. A little meta, a little meta commentary in there too. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, no st- stuff. Yeah, stuff sometimes gets in his way. Hey, man, Next. Page defeats Matt Hardy in the big money match. Uh, like, look, Matt Hardy is it, Matt Hardy constantly changing gimmicks. I. On one hand, kind of appreciate as this like late in his career homage to McFoley, but on the other hand, it makes it hard to latch on to anything that Matt Hardy's doing at any given point, and that's super important because Matt Hardy was good in this match, but by and large, Matt Hardy's not getting by on the wrestling at this point. Matt Hardy's getting yeah. by on the characterization. He's getting by on goodwill, and it's also true. <laughs> it's so weird that he's now has to be a heel. And try and do that. I, I didn't understand the follow up to this on Wednesday, because if you're gonna bring in another team for Matt Hardy to manage, Chris, he's had a team that he's paid off that he knows he can rely on in the TH2, and I'm here for more Jack Evans. But then all of a sudden, the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny show up, and you're like, huh, okay. And the dynamic between. Bunny and Hardy. No, it's not. It's yeah. No. It's it's just like a negative chemistry. It's not like not an intriguing chemistry. And the best way I can explain that, Jeff, is that they needed to quickly retcon what happened at Revolution, and they needed to get Butcher and Blade <laughs> away and Bunny away from Kingston so that they didn't have right. to deal deal with 
Kingston or like that they could free themselves. Like maybe you could have Moxley and Kingston have a quick match with Butcher and Blade and then just move along from that having completely resolved that angle. Well, no, you could you just say we were disgusted with him going in there to save his friend after he was beating him up. That does, that's not a guy with morals that we can trust or whatever. You did a quick promo and you got that. I mean, we're retconning everything else on this show. We might as well retcon that. Uh, yeah. Next. Yeah. Uh, but I, by and large, though, the Matt Hardy match, this is a better than average Matt yeah. Hardy match. Next. Yeah, I agree. We, we had Scorpio Sky defeating Cody Rhodes, Lance Archer, Penta El Zero, uh, Max Caster, and Ethan Page to win the Face of the Revolution match. I want to say this about Ethan Page real quickly, and I'll let you break down the match after. I think if you're going to introduce people like Ethan Page into the AEW universe, sometimes it feels like people who are kind of writing the show out assume that we know who some of these talents are, and they just go in and go, ah, it's all ego Ethan Page. And I think you need to strike a happy medium from... Telling someone, here comes Ethan Page, and also not doing it at all. And so what I think that format is, is little advertisement packages. You used to see this all the time, Um, sort of most infamously almost to the point of parody, Glacier, where they had like, Glacier is coming. Uh, you don't want to do it like endlessly, but... Actually advertising some of these wrestlers like commercials, one, it allows you to fill some time, uh, and two, it allows you to sort of seed the wind so that people are aware that maybe all ego Ethan Page is coming sometime soon here in the next four to six weeks, but you don't know when, and so their arrival's a bit of a surprise, but it's also something that you have context for and you're ready for. They rely too much on the knowledge of indie indie fans to know who ethan page is i think uh maybe even completest because if you remember ethan page was in that very first battle royal on uh on all in the very first all in it was the the program with him and jordan grace before they got picked up to tna they're kind of teasing that a little bit i yeah i if aew does one thing poorly and consistently does it poorly it's introductions they, they did it with ftr that was kind of poor. The butcher and the blade was kind of poor. You know, it, it, they've been they have a nasty habit of assuming and also thinking things are going to be bigger than they are. And when it's just build them up. Now, if you remember, they did do the glacier style thing with a member of their women's division that didn't pan out. Uh, Sadie Gibbs, I think, was her name. If you remember her, the gymnast, and they showed that great promo on I think the first pay-per-view and then the first couple of dynamites and then she did a match and she wasn't that good and then eventually she just decided she didn't like wrestling anymore mm. <laughs> Lucha Underground used to do these sorts of things though with, with, with some degree of efficacy where they would you know, get you ready for Johnny Mundo coming in uh you know and, and other people Taya Valkyrie just having little advertisements for wrestlers who are not yet in the company makes people sort of excited to see like, Oh, who's going to be the mystery debut. When is this person going to show up? How are they going to show up? Dare I say NXT UK does a very good job on their promo videos. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, The match itself, you know, it's a ladder match. It's brutal. A lot of people doing a lot of crazy stuff. Ray, of course, is an insane man. Ethan page taking a lot of damage in this match as well. Uh, Scorpio Sky eventually gets the win, gets the match, 
loses the match, turns heel. You were correct. I, I didn't see it coming, but uh, yeah, Scorpio Sky uh, goes in, grabs the ankle lock again, holds it on there for a bit. I assume this is what leads to Darby losing the title to somebody uh eventually i oh he was so hurt and i don't know that scorpio sky's done with him i i think that the tell there is that sky got him to tap out when he was mm. putting the heel hook on so i i don't think that that's done uh and yeah i i actually think sky had to put the title off of darby because uh, you still got the darby and sting thing going on like they've got their own stuff going on so the belt has been has been an additional prop for darby a prop that is not necessary, and Sky does need to do something, and there's now some intrigue in him being a heel. So I, I think he ultimately wins the title, and I, I don't hate this move. Uh, it does make me wonder about like what happens with SCU, especially now. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah Scorpio Sky. That's is what trivial. I was thinking too, because I think I thought he was going to be instrumental in the break of SCU. But it looks like SCU's match with the Bucks is going to be on the back burner, or may just be a throwaway on TV. Because they're going to be in a match now with Pac and Phoenix that they're building, or no, they, yeah, that they're building up. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this Wednesday night show was weird because it seemed like everybody turned at one time. I mean, yeah, the Death Triangle were baby faces, but now they're heels. But they also healed on the Murderhawk monster when Phoenix said he was the worst partner he ever had. And then Murderhawk's kind of playing anti hero baby face, but now he's going to heal on Sting. And then you get the the final angle, which we'll get into after we get through uh, Revolution. Well, uh, I mean, match. technically, oh, with sorry. Phoenix being heel and Archer yeah. being heel, now it's not inconsistent. It's just you're flipping everyone for the purposes of flipping everyone. And I, I, right. I, I we'll talk about it's all the in terms depth. Here. It's in depth storytelling because heels can hate heels. I get that, but. You understand what I'm saying? They were the they had a huge baby face pop, and they have to heal it up, I guess, for the Bucks. Well, you want because the, turns because, to have because a, the Bucks because the Bucks were heels and then just all of a sudden turned babyface after an th- angle. This is a like, big AEW problem: is that people are turning, and it, and it makes sense that they brought in the Big Show. That if, you're, if you're going to turn people, heel face, if you're going to yeah. turn people randomly, you need the Big Show in there as a commentator because there's no one who understands <laughs> that better. Uh, next match. Oh, uh, uh, what did you think? Of, what did you think of the Cody? I. I I hate these angles where, oh, we're pulling somebody out for medical attention and they sit there and you know they're coming back. I just, you know, there, yeah. there's not, there should be a different way to do this somehow, but I don't think there is. No, no. I, I you know, Coach, all the vice presidents right now are, are just not super intriguing characters for me um, on this product, in part because, as we were just discussing, they're all turning every week, it seems like. To every season, turn, turn, turn. There is a reason. Mm-hmm. Turn, turn, turn. <laughs> uh, next, we have the main event. The, the main okay. event, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Boy, this is a fun match. Like, I, look, yeah. I, it, it was I, obviously the finish. Obviously the finish. Like, let's, let's just put that asterisk above me the entire time. But outside of that, like, a lot of the explosions and stuff looked good. I thought there was a really coherent story also being told throughout the course of this match. So, like, someone like me who is not into a blood and guts match for the sake of blood and guts actually was like, no, there's a story here, and they're getting bloody, and they're getting busted up, but, like, it makes sense why they are doing most of these things. Um, And, 
like it only really fell apart for me when uh, the Good Brothers showed up, and it, like it just sucked all of the energy out yes. of the match for me. I just I was like, there was no one to come and save Moxley from the Good Brothers. It seemed weird that he yeah. had no plan for that because like obviously that was a thing that he should have seen coming. Um, and you know, this raises questions about Kingston's run in two later, I suppose, but I'm just thinking yeah. about it. Like you should have like some sort of strategy. Like obviously the good brothers are going to show up. Obviously, uh, Cyrus is going to show up. The invisible hand is going to show up. Uh, John, Don Callis, uh, like you, you need to have a strategy for this, but like the actual finish of the one wing angel through the chair was one of the doper one-wing angels I have seen in a long time. I agree. I loved this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I loved the uh, homage to Onita that uh, Moxley was doing. <laughs> even even the drinking from the flask, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I thought Kenny brought it in this match, too. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, some of these stunts were insane during this time. Apparently, the explosion looked better live than it did on TV. I, look, it wasn't the big explosion that they wanted. I get that. Why were they booing it live then? Okay. Well, I, I, because, I mean, it, because it, there wasn't, because there was, I said it looked better. I didn't say it, it sounded better. I didn't say it was a big No, explosion. no, but I, I'm just, I'm just saying if it looked passable live, I would not have been hearing booing on the commentary. And that was not the NBA feed. That that was on the pay per view. So like, <laughs> I, I, I know that they were booing too. the wrestling. Uh, they weren't booing the foul shots of the bad refereeing. Um. Yeah. I, I. I get that you have to take you have to take off time off of this. I wish they had cut the feed right at the moment that it kind of dudded. and they knew it was a dud. They had to, they had to cover for that as opposed to leaving them out oh, there. Oh man. Kill the lights. So like yes, the the, the explosion looks like crap. You're like, oh, that's bad. Tony Khan goes blackout people. Um and yeah. it just blacks out and it's like, oh, we lost the feed. Oh, I, I killed think they the got cables. Nervous. I think they panicked. I think they yes. panicked and they said, Okay, maybe it'll go up. Keep trying, keep trying to hit it, keep trying to do something. They should just cut it off there, boom. And then they wouldn't have had to do what they did Wednesday. I Which? felt the worst for Eddie Kingston, like who I think I, I gotta say, in the <laughs> moment, I think Kingston made the right call. You commit I do too. to the, you commit to the act. It's commit dying. To the bit. It's commit. dying. You're dying. Everyone's dying. It's death out there. You just have to die. Uh, but then by, lingering on him like that, they lingered uh, on him. Like, why are they not cutting this? Feed? Help I, the I, man. Help yes. the man. Make him look good. Now he, no, but he did the right thing. And that's a that's a tough instinctual call. I think like a different talent would have tried to like do something crazy to save that moment. And Kingston. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he think, did the yeah. right thing, the safe Or they thing. would have been looking around or something. He just stayed there and he said, stayed there, oh, man. God. Now, how do you feel about going into Wednesday and we'll get get some quick hits here? How do you feel about how they handled this? I, I'm mixed on it. I, I, I don't know. Would you have respected them? Let's ask this. Would you have respected them if they had just gone with everything went as planned? Because I'm thinking about what they would have done in the eighties and like Crockett, if something had, cause it would have gone wrong in Crockett if they had done it, but they would have played it straight. 
And they would have said, oh, that explosion really hurt the guys. They'll be out for a while. That's... I don't know. Yeah. I I think I think you have to do that. I I think you should do it to steamroll ahead. Or do some variation of that. I, I think where it fell apart for me was splitting the difference in the Omega Callus promo. The You know first... what you could have done? You okay. know what you could have done? You could have done the explosion after or just any explosion after the match. Spliced it, used it as the intro into the first one. Said, "Oh, fans, what you didn't get to see after the show <laughs> was that the ring actually blew up." That would have been a hell of a save, I think, too. I, I liked the Kingston promo. I don't think it fixed everything that everybody said it did. It was, oh man, Eddie Kingston saved this. Eh. Uh, no, 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 no. He did. okay. Here's what he did. He solidified the face turn. We got real chemistry between him and Moxley. Chemistry that is intriguing and that, like, I as a viewer want to see developed out further. I want to see what happens. I like this dynamic between Moxley and Kingston. I think they're going to have a lot of fun riffing and playing off of each other. And so, in terms of creating a new angle out of this that is interesting, that part is fine. However... Uh, the the other part of this is that like Kingston with the sing sing stuff, uh, like that was like weird and that kind of rang a little bit hollow, and it and it really fell apart for me when we got to Kenny and Don Callis and what's happening on the heel. Don? Yes, <laughs> the heels, the heel side of the ledger of like we were trying to take away your moment from you, uh, which like sort of worked meta because they're heels. So when Callus is doing this whole, like, we're taking away your moment from you stuff, when he's saying yeah. all of these things, it's like, yeah, but, like, we know that you were really trying to do that, and then it failed, which brings me back to the idea that, like, it was a botchamania moment to end the pay-per-view, which makes the whole angle kind of goofy, and gets back to the criticism I had when Kenny Omega was belted kind of randomly a few months ago when they took it off of John Moxley, which is, okay, fine, belt Kenny Omega, but I don't think that this guy is going to elevate the belt right now because Omega seems really interested in doing sort of goofy angles like this. I think the idea of a bomb going off and then not going off as a mind game is an interesting play. I wouldn't have done it for laughs if you were going to do it that way. I would have done it as, oh, yeah, we, we're, we're just, yeah, we're, we're gonna, we just want to let you know we could blow you up type of thing. And it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. That's kind of evil type of thing. But Man, if they had Kenny done that right, that would have been stuff. cool. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Like, here's the thing with that angle. If you actually write it that way and you have Kingston have this, like, mind shatter moment and it's all a psych out from Callus. And yeah. Kenny Omega, that's fine. Uh, and, and I think there might, maybe, I, I'd have to really think about it more. There might be a way to write what happened on Sunday and make that make sense on Wednesday in that context. Cal is saying, we wanted to take away a moment from you. You were excited about seeing the finish, and, and going further, you were excited about seeing the finish of this match, which is like meta stuff. Um, the finish of this match where the ring and everything's going to explode and we took that away from you. Are we not cagey? And like, eh. yeah, they went. They went after the fans as opposed to the participants in the match. And right. if they had said, 
Oh, that's interesting. Look what we got. To, we wanted to see who your friends were, John. Who was going to come out, maybe somebody to save you. Or and now we know where Eddie Kingston stands. And now we're going after you, Kingston. That'd be kind of cool. And here would be the point where Callus would unveil his new relationship with Butcher Blade and Bunny, who he has mm-hmm. now turned. However, we decided that the way of getting him off of Kingston was to write them over to Matt Hardy. So, like, when we're looking at this yeah. angle and what do they do right and what do they do wrong, I think there's a way of padding out Omega's faction. Um, and also, like, I'd much rather watch Butcher and Blade matches than the Good Brothers at this point. Like, those guys are just doing stuff couple of quick hits on the rest of dynamite uh maki ito singing when the music turns off and everything's falling apart around her i howled i died i loved her no i I mean like (laughs) i was hysterical when she was doing she's so committed to this and she's she gets the act it's funny as hell I think people who aren't familiar with her at all can see this and in three to five seconds understand what the act is. This has a memeable mm-hmm. quality to it. Um, she has dynamic personality. She's got look and all of that. In between the ropes, though, my friend, uh, Maki Ito is still working on It's a bit of an exploration. She's exploring the space. I... <laughs> I am I am fine if she gets some training with QT in the gang and say, hey, look what we did with Tainara Conti. Maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping she improves. Uh I, I agree there. I like her Hanma headbutt type of thing. You know, that's kind of cool. Uh, on the flip side though, if you watched the live feed on TNT, you got a feed of NBA arena music. I think the most surreal moment of that is uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell's Ain't No Mountain High Enough playing during the Ethan Page match. Like some sort of <laughs> like some sort of uh, uh, low. How, how do I put this? Some soft mood music version of a New Jack match when New Jack was doing his match and they have natural born killers playing. No, now I just want Motown playing whenever Ethan Page is doing his match. That's what I want. You know, we can have the Temptations, we can have the Jackson 5, whatever you want, Ethan. You're going to go out there, but Motown's going to play during your entire match. This is going to be my new gimmick, soft rock Chris Novembrino. rock, I come out and, like, we put on grocery store rock and roll. Spin Doctors is playing softly as I am jobbing out to the new heel that we're building up. You know, we could even put 70s AM rock. We put some Seals and Croft in there. We would put some, yeah, you know, Captain Dan and Fogelberg. Yeah. Captain Tennille would be Don't good. Don't go breaking my heart as I'm getting tossed over the ropes. Kiki, yes, Kiki D and Elton John. Yeah, you know, we, we could. <laughs> no, so uh, I agree. I think that the NBA commentary was a real meta treat for me. I enjoyed the part of the Ethan Page-Lee Johnson match where Paige is wailing on Lee Johnson and the crowd is going, defense! Defense! <laughs> 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 oh, that, that, uh, it, you know, it was right after the Maki Ito thing. It like, 
oh, I was just, I was in stitches during all of this. And I didn't know point, what was going on. I got to be honest with you. I thought there might be like a game next, like the G League was playing at the at the stadium next door I had or to hit the mute <laughs> button. I had to hit the mute button to make sure. It was oh, like, it was unbearable. Yeah. It was unbearable. Well, I I, I, I bared it. Uh, well, it, it, it would not been, I, I couldn't do it the whole show. Um, I was definitely tiring of it when they finally pulled it. But like most of the background stuff was syncing up in very funny ways. Like at one point, uh, Ethan Page is doing something heelish, and apparently in the game, the uh, away team had just gotten foul shots. So you've got the NBA crowd booing, um, and so like that was syncing up nicely. I, like some of this stuff was funny, but like uh, I mean, look, it's low rent. Obviously, it doesn't look good. Circling back to that Omega thing, that's something I need to bring up. Two things that also just made that segment unbearable. I liked the fight that happened, but then Christian Cage's music hits. Yeah. Jim Ross doesn't recognize it. Ah, what's that? What the hell's that? His music <laughs> sucks, too. He's got they, crappy it's, music. It's, it's, that's his TNA theme. It's boring. Well, but it's funny because Excalibur, oh, come on, JR, you know what theme that is. And Tony Schiavone trying to run it and save him. And, uh, and, and then and then it's even worse because this this goes into their intro thing. There's a fight out there. Christian's just sauntering out. And I get that that's what it's supposed to be is he's supposed to be a big deal. So he's well, But comes off looking like he's half-assing it and just kind of nonchalantly strolling uh, out there. Everyone is not out there trying to, like, outwork anyone. To outwork anybody. Yeah, yes, yeah, anyone exactly. at, at all. No, so, like, I, I, you brought this up. Uh, I think this is another problem with this segment. So in a lot of these segments, um, actually all throughout this show, you had big heel turns and big angles get started, and stuff was happening too quickly. So you weren't able to really linger on anything, and part of that's a victim of the retcon. So the retcon buried start points in some of these key going forward angles. Um, I think and also the fact that everyone was here for what the retcon angle was going to be that wove through the show also hid things like, oh, here comes Christian Cage to count, challenge Kenny Omega. Um, and so I don't think they did a good job getting that off the ground. Man, I didn't realize that that was, uh, I, I completely forgot that that was Christian's TNA theme. And it's just like, it's not memorable. And some of those TNA themes are actually not bad from that vintage, but like, that's not one of them. And then the final uh, angle, the inner circle, turns out to be on Jericho's side this entire time, including Sammy. But MJF has a swerve of a swerve of a swerve of a swerve, and he has been building a group his whole time. Have you ever watched M. Night Shyamalan movies? Because I really (laughs) love them, and, and I think that this is a great formula. I like this group, though. I like MJF and Wardlow. And uh, FTR and Tully together, Sean Spears thrown in there. I could take if they if they rebrand him and make him just mean, a big mean guy, as opposed to what Sean Spears has been here. I, he's the guy that I don't know about in this group. Everybody else, I'm fine with. So I think they're ultimately all going to turn on Wardlow. I I like. I can this, see that too. I think I like Wardlow's this, the Luger of the group. Yeah, Wardlow no. is the Luger of this Horseman. Yeah, yeah. I like this faction as a because I was looking at this faction. I'm going, oh, this is awesome. This gives Wardlow a a good solid faction to feud with here after this. However, this angle is you can take Chris Jericho out of WWE, but you cannot take the WWE out of Chris Jericho. And, and Correct. This, 
this is very WWE and the too clever sort of thing of like, ah, there's a camera. I was videotaping you all along. Oh, you were videotaping me? Well, I knew that you had a secret camera in there. And so I had a secret faction that I was secretly planning as you are planning your secret plan to reveal me. <laughs> and I, but I'm the one with the secret plan. Like, No, I, I thought it was... It was too cute by half again. I don't have a problem at all with the MJF faction. I think that turning the inner circle face is a mistake. I think you just need to break. Oh, what? Do you? Yeah. I don't. Because you, no. you have the dark order. You have the dark order. That's true. Face. And, and they are a massive faction. And I know that we're all, And I don't like the fact they're already doing dissension with uh, five angels. I think that, like, if Paige is going to do this, he needs to be straight ahead. And he actually needs, like, to be a friend and leader. And that needs to be the feel-good faction. I don't need okay. the inner circle. Um, like, I get that we have memed out Jericho's theme song. And it's, for the employees, mandatory to sing along. Employees sing along. You don't want to like get cheap. caught on camera. Yeah, no, it's like working at uh, Olive Garden or working at TGI Fridays. And it's the birthday Chee-chees. time. Chee-chees. Chee-chees with the birthday yeah, thing. Yeah, you, yes, don't, you yeah. don't want to be caught not singing the birthday thing. That's going to get you fired by the manager real quick. But So I get that we did that with them. But I, I think that turning Jericho face... Okay, that's fine. I think the the inner circle have been turned in too many different directions. Santana Ortiz have been yinning and yanging in different directions from week to week. Sammy has been kind of going back and forth. And AEW needs to decide on are people strong baby faces? Are people strong heels? And when you decide that like someone like an Adam Page is a baby face. And he should be a baby face, by the way. He's a great, he's a great baby face. He's a real natural one. You gotta make sure that everything he's doing is in service of baby faceness. And like this week with the lawnmower, on one hand, you have quote unquote long-term storytelling with the lawnmower joke being paid off finally, him finally buying himself a lawnmower. But on the other hand, it made him come off as aloof. And the fact that he gave all of Matt Hardy's money to the public education like fund in Kentucky or wherever he was giving, or in Virginia, that got buried, and that really needed to be spotlighted because he's a babyface. And when he beats Matt, Matt Hardy, had he won that match, would be spending the money lavishly to have a nice, wonderful party and eating filet mignon with private party who would be getting an okay New York strip steak while Matt Hardy is having his third glass of wine <laughs> and his second filet mignon meanwhile adam page should be spotlighted this week as the nicest dude in the world elvis brand new cadillac style that needs to be what adam page this week with all of matt hardy's money was doing and instead we started off like this thing where adam page is kind of an aloof jerk and he gives money to the public education fund but doesn't take care of the people around him and those people are jerks oftentimes In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value 
a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good, and Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The problem with the inner circle where they were never full on heels, and, and going to your problem, the problem with heels in this company is they're trying to be the cool heels. They're trying to be the NWO heels. You know, they give the little smart alky remark. I mean, you have Miro playing video games and they're, you know, they're doing that kind of wacky stuff. You had, you know, it's okay to own my t-shirt. It's, it, it's cool. And, and what people yes. think about that it's okay to own my t-shirt is like, you're only wearing one shirt at a show, which I get. Okay. There's some people who like to wear lots of shirts. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about like a normal human wears one t-shirt to a venue and it's either going to be the baby faces or it's going to be the heels. So every heel t-shirt is a baby face t-shirt that is not being worn. And you want to have baby faces be the cool people. Yeah. And BTE or being the elite basically turned the dark order baby face because they could do comedy all the time. You know, it's, I want MJF to get rid of some of his Mr. Brody Lee and embracing negative one. Yeah, but but I mean, they were starting to get over as ba- like Silver was starting to get over as a baby face on that show because he could never he always corpsed. I, but I think I want... the original intention with Silver, just real quickly, was they were going to have the entire Dark Order turn on Silver and kick him out and Silver was going to feud with them. Yeah, you, you have flunkies who are actually bad, like the Butcher and the Blade. The Butcher and Blade are never going to be baby faces unless something miraculous happens. 
you know, you see Jack that, Evans but they is, might try to do a random two week run might. with that. The yeah. butcher, the butcher might. You well, know, they could. I can see them do it. I, I Bunny's in trouble, and Butcher and Blade need to save her. Yes, yes, because somebody, some diabolical heel, does something diabolical for once on this show. You know, Jack Evans and and uh, Angelico are <laughs> they are untapped potential of of just smart alky heel. I want MJF to not be a smart alky heel now. I want him to be a bratty heel, and there's a difference between that. And and that's where he belongs, and if Tully can get him there, I'm good. I want this to work because I think the two of them on promos will be fantastic if MJF can get rid of some of his worst qualities in his... You know he want he wants that little he wants that little cultural reference and he wants that which are bad in wrestling for the most part. They get you know, he stale wants that little and joke. They, they don't usually play well. You're right. You know he wants to play it for comedy that he's a jerk. I get it, but uh, the problem with the inner circle was after that bubbly bunch sketch, they weren't bad heels. They were cool heels trying to pop people, and it's like I I want some bad heels now, and I want this group to be the bad heels. And I'm hoping that they'll they'll get there. Proud and powerful sh- could be babyface if they were they were playing the crowd a lot. You know, Sammy Sammy we know can probably be a babyface because he's a flyer. Jericho, as you said, the only guy in here who can't really be a good babyface in my opinion is Hager, because nobody yes. likes Hager. No, yeah. and he's not a good promo, and he's not really a personality, and he's not really kind of like fleshed out a character really, other than like I occasionally go and trade for MMA fights. And then, you know, yeah. Excalibur mentions that he's training for MMA now fights. He has, he has had moments, like on that on that first bubbly bunch thing when they're calling each other and he, he has that moment with his kids. And there was a short time in WWE where he was a good actual over baby face. And maybe there's something in there with him. I don't know. But for the most part, people don't like him. No. Uh, and I, I, I just don't think the show needs multiple baby face factions. So... I would run with the Dark Order and not the Inner Circle. Uh, I don't think mm. both of them need to be faces. I think it's it's just... I get why they're turning everyone heels, because they're turning everyone face. Uh, and I, I... That's the other thing, is it's just this big, big, big flip of the roster. I, 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 we don't have a complete list of who turned heel and who turned face. But I bet you it is... If I had to put a number on it, 55% of people that we regularly see on Dynamite turned this week chris i am now going to give you the floor before i go on a long rant going through the entire main roster week that was that was terrible uh to to express your love for one slap jack yeah so this week uh, Slapjack was on his way to getting himself a title shot now nothing comes easy for our friend Mr. Jack Mr. Jack unlike other people in this company has to earn his title shot so he had a non-title match here against uh Matt Riddle uh, I'm sorry Riddle he's he's not actually Matt Riddle he he he's just actually Riddle uh he's no one's Matt anymore he's no just no no he's just Riddle and Slapjack was on his way to winning this match, but you noticed it, you saw it. Throughout the match, where was Sami Zayn's documentary crew when you need him? Throughout the match, you've got Ali yelling at Slapjack, distracting Slapjack, calling the shots for Slapjack, and sabotaging Slapjack, which led to Slapjack getting cheap-shotted and then rolled up or something. I, I don't remember how the match finished, but it was probably bullshit. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Now Jeff will go through five hours of WWE programming in a nice little rant, and then Chris can add whatever he wants. We are on the road to WrestleMania, people. And everything sucks on the main roster. There, There is nothing. There is no redeeming program. Is there we a program that you want to see play out at WrestleMania right now? No. Not, not no, a single one, right? Not. Yeah. And it looks like the only entertaining thing right now is Ding Dong Hello. And it looks like that's going to be relegated to hosting WrestleMania for some reason. Let, let me let me go through this. So the end of Sheamus Drew ends with two guys with stairs running into each other. And that's it. Okay, great. The match up until that point loved it, but the ending made everybody look like a It's crazy. Sheamus and Drew have actually had a couple of bangers in the last couple. Like the work's been there, man. Sheamus has been interesting. They have good chemistry. This is a program that if only there was a big show coming up and they had done some sort of long form storytelling with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. I think that this match could really deliver at WrestleMania or some show like that. If only that was coming up. Charlotte Flair continues to be Charlotte Flair on Raw. I watched I watched the Stone Cold show after Raw. She is engaging. She's funny. She's self-deprecating. She's everything I want to watch in a professional wrestler and to root for. And then you watch her on Raw. And she's overbearing, and she's the queen, and oh, by the way, she's she's declared that she's facing Asuka without actually, I don't know, earning anything about it, but she's going to come on and bury everybody like Mandy Rose and, and Dana Brooke in just a terrible segment. She's not really cutting a promo on them. She's cutting a promo about WrestleMania that involves her going to it, and I'm talented and you're not. And then just walks off, and it's just, it stinks. It stinks on ice. Sasha and Charlotte have been exploring the space on a new style of promo <laughs> that uh, does not necessarily resonate with everyone in what I like to call oh. the mainstream. However, I will for a get very... to Sasha in a moment. I yeah, will yeah, get no, to no. Sasha Charlotte, in a Charlotte's and promos know. suck. Yeah, they, they're really Y'all bad. Y'all know I love Sasha, but yes, the, the, it's not it, Charlotte's promo sucks. Charlotte's character sucks. Charlotte's character is not Charlotte, and that's the problem here. And she's never cut a great promo since coming up on the main roster because they have to do this expository things. And her old man is one of the greatest promos in the world. And you think maybe, maybe if they just took the blinders and the leashes and all these other things off, Maybe she could cut a promo to help herself and to build a character of some sort. But no, we got to do it the Vince way. Up yours. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what. Rick (laughs) should be there. Rick should be there not on screen. Rick should be there off screen as the only other voice that Charlotte's getting for kind of preparing herself for these promos. She bounces her ideas off of Rick. Rick kind of guides her through what needs to be in this promo. And then she goes and she gets better. Rick coaches her off screen at being a better like promo coach. But instead, when they try to build out her heel character, it's all centered around the flair name. And that necessitates bringing in Rick. And they shouldn't be bringing in Rick for health reasons. Um, sometimes because of his own health problems. Now because of this giant health situation that we're all living through. 
uh, known as COVID-19. And and then, like, Rick, when they do stuff on screen with him, yeah, it's obviously shaky, but it never allows Charlotte as a babyface character to go anywhere. Uh, Yeah, no, it's terrible. (sighs) Riddle has a scooter. And the New Day (laughs) are obnoxious about it. What the hell was this? Well, he smokes weed. He should have a scooter like... <laughs> what? I, I don't understand I'm wor- this, Chris. I'm worried about my scooter and they're going to take my scooter. Who? Who is going like, to... Who is going to take your scooter? T-Bar and Reckoning and Mace are going to come and take your scooter during the match against Mr. Jack? I don't think they're so. They're going to name the scooter, aren't they? They're going to name this scooter. It's going to be like Scooty the scooter, and there's going to be a match where they come down and take it, and it's gonna, and there's gonna, and that's going to be the stipulation. If somebody wins, he gets the scooter. If I lose, hope there's a scooter the on. I hope there's a scooter on a pole match, and the winner, oh the person who climbs the pole, gets the scooter, and they get to use the scooter however they want for five minutes. Peyton Royce got a promo on Raw Talk. Great. <laughs> and it was a good promo. It had a little bit of tune a good to promo. it. Yeah, it, yeah, a little bit of tune. If you knew what I knew, probably a little close to reality. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see. I think she's gonna be the fast lane sacrificial lamb, and that's fine. Maybe, maybe this saves her from being the the Marty of the Iconics because Billy Kay, although Billy Kay's disappeared. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. But then now, now we get to now we get to the real main event here. So, the big hero to free the Universal cha- or no the D- WWE Championship, right? Is it WWE Universal on Raw? I can't remember. Uh, Whatever the belt, the, 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 the red belt, one, the, the red belt, belt, the big, the, the red, red one. belt. Yeah, we'll not the blue belt. belt, not the blue belt. Shane McMahon, who magically makes a match into a lumberjack match. Deus Ex Machina, oh, you had the power to go home all along. All you had to do was click your heels three times. The worst part was the this NBA stuff. Uh, the the, the <laughs> Master of Business Administration, stuff, which also found its way into Don Callis' promo, too. I yes. want to just mention, yes. I, I don't care about your NBA. I get that you enjoyed getting into the managerial class. You have fond memory. You were younger. You had all these hopes of ascending into upper middle management. You're in lower middle management. It's not as great as you thought it was going to be, but, like, you got that MBA. I get it. I took one MBA class, and I decided, one, it's not a brand-name school, so it won't be worth anything, and two, if I want to run a business, I should open a business. Anyways, now he's coming out. (sighs) 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 Just huffing and puffing into a mic, and we're going to build a feud on calling Braun Strowman stupid. Now. Far be it from me to think that this should be the basis of a feud, especially after being a good guy a week before. But this screams, this screams Vince McMahon wanting to put something on TV that he's thinking. And I bet you it's because old Braun has a southern accent. So he must be stupid. So old Shane's going to come out here and call him stupid. And then it turns out Braun's actually stupid. Because he falls for the truck and leaves, and Shane calls him stupid. So, uh, you're not really doing justice to how agonizing 
the pacing no, was, this was in this scene. This like, the, you're not. Like, this was by this far. So bad. It, it, this was the worst wrestling segment I've seen since the last one, but maybe in two or three years. Although Shane is probably responsible for the last one that I thought it might have. Oh, it was the pota- It was about Mrs. Father. That was also an unbearable one that old <laughs> Shane did, calling him a potato <laughs> head or potato or whatever. Potato face. Yes. Yeah. Potato face. This was all time. We we will look back on this on the Peacock Network where we won't be able to get archives someday <laughs> and say this was an all time. Crappy segment, Chris. Yeah, I. It, it was so draggy, and you knew <sighs> that he was gonna do. <sighs> and, and like he like walk. He goes, "I'm sorry," and then he walks away, and like he stops. He's like, "I, I, I don't Let know." Let me tell you something. That segment, that segment, when the first one, when he comes out and, and bronze the apology, and he goes. I'm sorry, and he leaves and the music hits. If that had cut to commercial, it would have been the best segment oh, wait, in oh, WWE wait. history now, it because it been paid easy. off an angle. It would have paid is. off an angle. Uh, no one says I'm sorry in the WWE. This is Vince's world. No one means it. Apology is weak, yes. Yeah, apology is weak. Go ahead. But I actually like the premise or, or the beat uh, of having something that you've offended somebody with, like legitimately offended, you come out and you do the man-to-man, face-to-face, stare-you-in-the-eye apology thing, but there's something obviously disingenuous on it, but then you just walk away from it. Like, that little moment that Shane did, right up until he stopped and it was very obvious he was going to turn around and say something, everything, like, just that quick beat, that was cool. I liked that. I thought that was just an interesting twist. Not for this story. <laughs> okay. Not for this Not story. For this story. But like for something else. Uh. Like, you know, if Adam Cole hadn't been low blowing everyone. If Adam Cole <laughs> walks out and like real quickly stares Kyle O'Reilly in the eye and says, I'm sorry, and then walks off. And it's nowhere near sufficient of an apology, but it's also like not pushing it all the way in either right, direction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, you're right. I, I would have I would have found that interesting. It would have been a nice deep story. Hey, maybe he really is sorry. Yeah, some, some maybe something's going on lingered. in his head. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like that, but, like, no, dude, like, this is, like, an absolute garbage segment. Everything about this angle sucks. And to your point, Shane McMahon proved that Strowman is stupid. So, like, the way this needs to end, if it's going to have any payoff... <laughs> Is that Strowman needs to make Shane look even dumber than him? No, which... Stro- you know what needs to happen instead of a match. Braun Strowman needs to get an MBA now, and he needs to run his own business. I've been going to school, and I suddenly got my MBA. I want to tell you a thing or two about bookkeeping. Watch my PowerPoint presentation, Shane. <laughs> let me let me tell you about the pyramid of wants and. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about le- supply chain logistics. Here we go. <laughs> we had some issues went, last you- year, and you know what I said when we had those issues? That sucks. <laughs> I've been told that philanthropy is the new marketing. <laughs> 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 This match sponsored by the University of Phoenix. Uh, (laughs) Okay, and then 
SmackDown, which should be a main event on one of these nights of WrestleMania. A big match if they could just figure out how to hype up Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. And they do this stupid Bechdel failing, <laughs> Bechdel test failing angle. How, involving the, the question has been, how do we make as much of the division fail the Bechdel test all centered around one yes! discreet figure? This entire, <laughs> entire women's division is now focused around uh, Reginald. Reginald. <laughs> And a I call this I wrestling sub character. Chris, I called this two weeks ago. They wanted the visual of Nia smitten with Reggie because of the big woman, small man aspect of it. Because Vince finds that crap funny. He did with China and Eddie. Remember? I mean, this is this is a thing with him. I figured out where this goes. She dumps Reggie for James Ellsworth. And James gets his second run. <laughs> and then he, because he's really the pioneer of making the division fail the Bechdel test. There's a lot of the Mandy, Sonia, Dolph, Otis story in here. I, I, or he's going to fall in love with Shayna. Because that'll be where the comedy is, because Shayna doesn't care. And oh, I like the hard to get types. But you have this tag match where Bianca gets rolled up then by Tamina and she comes out and goes, I never lose. You got to stop playing with that man over the, it's just. Who, who's <laughs> the face between these two? Cause yeah, no, to your point, nobody, no, because Sasha, it, it, to Bianca's point, Sasha is still dealing with these distractions from Reginald. And even though she like shrugged off Reginald, Reginald's like there and like meddling in her affairs and it is getting in Bianca's way. But then Bianca comes off as petulant and whiny and saying stuff like I never lose comes off as like yes. pushy and jerkish and heelish. And so like, like who am I supposed to like out of these two? The answer uh, is Reginald. Sasha. And Sasha is so unlikable in this too. I mean, if she if she's that confident, she should just know she's confident. And instead, she's doing this. She's playing the boss character, so to speak. So she has to be sassy, and her sassy is coming off as petulant. And it's just, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Then <laughs> and, and one last thing, we, it hurts this angle. To get rolled up by Tamina because Tamina and Natalia are not serious entities within the WWE roster. I know that they're trying no. to build up this new tag team. I know that they gave them matching outfits. But like even kind of the most avid viewer of WWE like doesn't know what Tamina Suka's finishing move is. Chris, we had to keep the women's tag team titles on Nia and Shayna. For this storyline with Reginald and Tamina and Natty and Sasha. Ah, oh, and oh, by we'll the get way, to that when Bianca, I get to NXT. Bianca and Sasha still have a match coming up against Nia Jax and Shayna yes. Baszler, which we're all totally intrigued for following the loss to Tamina Snuka and Natalia in tag team action tonight on SmackDown. We have an eight-person tag team where Otis and Dolph are on the same team. What? <laughs> Screw your continuity. No one Where'd remembers that angle. That was three months ago. 
That was yesterday. We're living for today. I, I, I mean, to on. that point, it's like they're memory holding the Mandy Rose romance entirely when it comes to Otis. They're memory. They're memory holding the the. Speaking of which, they're memory holding the Buddy Murphy slash Murphy Aaliyah romance on social media. Made no mention of it really. <laughs> he loses to Cesaro. This 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 Seth Rollins seventies fashion icon crap. I figured it's, it out. And, you you and, were asking me what's going on here. I figured it out. He watched Richard Dawson's heyday and was like, <laughs> this guy understands jackets. He gets it. The Big E promo? Wow. What? The Big E, the, the big e promo uh, did was... You, did you believe for a moment he was angry? I did no. not. No. And he oscillates between, like, the real thing and a little bit of, like, yes. the wild and zany cartoony thing. And yes. the way they were shooting him and zooming in on his face, I didn't think made his face look very good. I actually think, like, he's a little bit better of, like, chest up. Like, you don't have to be that zoomed in on his head, is what I'm saying. Um, they, they, they over-zoomed on his head. And then the worst part of this, at the end, was he gets done, Apollo's music hits, and he's looking around for Apollo... Um, but he studiously avoids checking the fourth of the four corners in the ring. Checks one, checks two, checks three, checks three, checks two, checks one, checks one, checks two, checks three. And then here comes a Paul out of four. I forgot that there were four sides in that darn thing. Check your six. Check your six. Uh, and he oh, forgot okay. to check the entryway, which is effectively where Apollo was coming from. He's because he's coming from the stairs side uh. of this. And then the main event. What are we doing with Edge here? What? Who cares who you're fighting at Mania if it's the champ? The the whole thing with him being angry at Daniel Bryan for getting a title. Who cares? You're getting the title shot at Mania against the guy, the belt you want, not necessarily the guy you want necessarily, and it's just. He's coming off as a jerk. It feels like he's going to screw Daniel Bryan, which is going to make this even worse. I I just... And Daniel Bryan's the only pure babyface in this entire company, it seems, at this time. I, I just don't understand it, Chris. I think we're building to a three-way at WrestleMania at between... Mania? Yes. And that's the you smoke and... You they're going to take away Edge's... Oh, my goodness. That's okay, the smoke continue, and mirrors. Sorry. I think that's the smoke and mirrors here. Um, So... I think that initially maybe they wanted to do Edge as, as just a straight-up thing. Oh, the other thing about this, I can't believe you're giving away an Edge match on SmackDown against Jey Uso next week to determine who's going to be the special guest enforcer. Like, the Edge thing should really have some weight and heft to it. Adam Pearce is right there, and he can say, no, that's a stupid... Uh, he's intimidated by Roman, apparently. Uh, it, no. You're going to let Jey Uso... Be a special. I mean, in in any sort of reality situation, you're gonna let the guy's second be the enforcer for the. Yeah, no. Pierce should be like, yeah, that's absolutely not happening. I'm the manager here. But yes, but how about you have some stones? How about you take some bureaucratic control? With Edge and Brian, there's a really interesting narrative of these guys both had their career taken away. Both weren't sure yes. they were going to come back. Um, there's a lot of parallels between them, which makes for a really natural feud. And a, a feud, I think, 
I think they're interested in having down the road here. So, like, I'm, I'm in favor of this juxtaposition between Brian and Edge. Yes. Uh, but I, I think you got to really kind of lean into that heavily. And I thought this last, the last week, last week Daniel Bryan was the heel. This week Edge is now the person I think is trending towards the heel territory. And I think it like really should have been about. Daniel Bryan, like, we should have had a lot of goodwill starting to build up towards Daniel Bryan. Um, but instead, they're going to kind of surprise turn Daniel Bryan into the baby face. And I think Edge is going back to the ultimate opportunist thing. I will say this, though. I think that Edge as a heel is more intriguing than Edge as a baby face. And I'm more interested in seeing Edge do heel work on WWE TV than baby face work on WWE TV. I like the idea of him pushing people's buttons, getting under people's skin, um, feeling a little bit entitled that like he climbed back. He did all, I mean like him staring down Daniel Bryan and going like, I did all this recovery and I came back from these injuries, Daniel. And I know your neck hurt, but my neck was broken. Like playing down everyone else's injuries and acting like he's the ultimate recovery. Like he's the ultimate inspiration. There's some real intrigue and edge as that type of heel character versus edge as the aging baby face here for one more match. It's not really that fresh for me. I I'm interested in edge. Daniel Bryan program too. let Daniel Bryan lose to Roman, get edge out of there and then do the program. I agree with you in theory about a heel edge. The problem is I would agree with you if edge were 30 and that was the story. Nobody wants to boo a 47-year-old legend Hall of Famer like Edge coming back. I don't see that. I don't... Well, here's it, the nice part. TV screens don't boo. <laughs> Zoom screens, Zoom screens, they do whatever you want. And if you don't like that, there's always an NBA game on. And I hear that you can pipe in the audio. There's a wave file of the audio on the soundboard for WWE anyways. You can just hit... Cl- cheer or boo and no, there, there's a new a one that i've noticed here. that i call transitional cheer where it's like tr- like where it's like a mixed reaction but like it's like we're, we're starting to cheer him now but he's still kind of a heel like they have one of those too they use that for daniel bryan okay. nxt uk real quick too many uh we went over the the hunt thing i think they do great great videos on this show yeah and I wish the main roster in NXT would do more of these. They introduce characters. They have stories that, that go along. I liked the Gallus promo. I liked the ones for the women. I didn't even mind the Nina Samuels. <laughs> There's a dishwasher. Womp, womp. Okay, that's that standard pro wrestling. You're my butler for 30-day yeah. type stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought all these, and, and, oh, and the Trent Seven Tyler Bate one, I thought was cute. I thought I liked, man, I really liked the Trent Seven Tyler Bate thing. I love that Trent Seven's enhancement matches going into this match are, are not like, he's not having squash matches against people. We know how Trent Seven wrestles. Um, his battle is against himself. And we talked about this man versus himself thing. I really Mm -hmm. like this angle with Trent Seven. You can't do it all the time. It's it's like just a fresh way to go. And I love having Tyler Bates' Zen character being there to kind of help Trent Seven. I think it, it, it fleshes that out. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say turn Trent Seven, but if you turned Trent Seven on Tyler Bates, that would be fun. Um, like, but but what I liked here is I liked uh, the Teoman 
debut. I thought the Teoman debut was uh, fun. I liked that. Um, Didn't overstay its welcome. I, he had a lot of personalities. He was doing everything. He was just—he was really savage and vicious and yeah. And, and like, yeah, I like that. And I liked the um. I, I like Jobbers jo- getting killed. I do. And I like Jones trying to fire back a little bit. It was there was some there was some heart there. It got There's crushed. Some reality to it. Yeah, yeah, but but like I liked Teoman going. Okay, I got to get this show on the road. Like that that actually hurt. I didn't like that forearm shot. That actually hurt me. Uh, I got news for you. Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. Kenny is going to eventually get Amir Jordan on his side, and they are going to be a heel tag team. They are not going to break up. This breakup I, is not going to happen, Chris. It, oh, that's that's great. That's long form storytelling, buddy. Like this is oh, no, 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 no. I don't what that is. I hate this team so much. I hate them, as and I don't want them on my screen. Pointed out by Edge. Who, who has had a career that has spanned four decades. This is an angle that has spanned... Four decades, apparently. Four, which is weird. Cause... Four decades. Actually, I did the math. I have spanned five decades. Uh, 1980s. Oh, actually, that's true. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what, what Edge is doing is, is something similar to what I did at age 34, which is saying, like, 86 and... And, and uh, 2021 now counts as decade five here. This is an angle that has spanned two decades, multiple years. One of the longest running angles in professional wrestling. Amir Jordan, Kenny Williams, they twist, they turn, uh, but they stay together. And and like, I, I, you got to applaud it. <laughs> and Amir Jordan. Friendship. Amir Jordan. God, what a performance this week. I, uh, oh, it, it, the best part is the referee clearly standing in between them going like, Kenny, I can't believe you just cheated. You can't just cheat. You cheated. And the referee's standing there like an idiot who doesn't have any ears uh, as Amir Jordan is clearly spotlighting that his tag partner has just cheated and broken the rules in this match, which for all intents and purposes is... If the referee saw them, there would be a penalty of disqualification, and that's why heels cheat. The match of a thousand promos, Ginny and Joseph Connor lose to Piper Niven and Jack Stars. When Piper Niven ends up slamming Joseph Connor, then slams Jack Stars on him. The intergender... Joseph Connor needs to go now, doesn't he? He's finally u- he's useless now. Yeah, yeah. Got beat by a woman, and I hate to say that in a sexist way, but you know how? No, how <laughs> do you ever in this division in NXT UK? How do you seriously push Joseph Connors against any of the Gallus boys, like a Joe Coffee? Let alone pushing a Joseph Connors against Walter. You can't belt him. He's not a no. cruiserweight. Uh, there is no, no mid-champion mid in NXT UK. The most you can do with Joseph Connors at this point is put him in a tag team, and his value above replacement doesn't exist. He's just a guy. Or you, re- or you repackage him in some way, and he has a new gimmick, but we've seen these gimmicks, and they're terrible every time. Jenny needs to upgrade. 
Ginny needs. <laughs> no, and actually, to that point, Ginny needs to do stuff now to get her heat back because Joseph Connors has been a heat sink. It never made any sense for her to get Joseph Connors in the first place. The Joseph Connor plan didn't work out, and so for a heel, that actually does take away a little bit of your thunder. So now Ginny has to get her thunder back somehow. Come to NXT, please. Speaking of which, we will transition. So. <laughs> You you have Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez lose to the Women's Tag Team Championships because they need those titles for this main roster story. This is what I think. This is why I think they couldn't give them up because I think they originally wanted them to win and then lose them to Shotzi and Ember. Instead, you debut these new NXT women's tag team titles, even though you don't have that many women's tag teams in the division other than Candice and, and Indy Hartwell or Casey and Lacey for the most part, or, or Ali and Jesse Camilla, a real murderer's row of tag teams. Right there. <laughs> they assembled all of them out there to begin this show. It was a, a real who's that of the oh, women's that, division. Oh, that was, that that's a we need everybody to come in on a, on a Saturday morning for a team meeting before we open, and you can just see all the body language there. But even better, you make them the first NXT Women's Tag Team Titles t- title holders, and they're ecstatic about this. And then we have to have them have their first defense on the show. Oh, and they have to turn heel too. Like you give them the titles and what? they they have to I mean they were sort they have of They to heel. go back to being heels. Yes, but like they were sort of the they, they were wronged last week. Um the Shayna Baszler Dakota Kai story very much leaned on the fact that Shayna Baszler was victimizing Dakota Kai and they didn't really pay any of that off. So they went from being happy about this from feeling honored that they got the titles to us feeling like an injustice had been righted. And then immediately they turn back to being heels again. And like, this is my same complaint with a lot of what was going on in AEW. And it's my complaint across apparently all of wrestling right now, which is when you turn people left and right, I stop caring at a certain point. It's like Lex Luger syndrome. And then, and then they lose the women's tag titles that they had just been gifted because they could that promo was terrible too. Raquel Gonzalez, this is our first step in taking over the world. Yeah, well, you couldn't take over the women's tag team titles. Sometimes you roster. break your ankle on your first step, Jeff. That's That happens. That's what they say. It's one small step for but man. Get, I just broke my ankle. Instead of doing what they're doing on the main roster, kind of, and maybe giving the tag titles to your next women's title contender in Raquel Gonzalez, we have to take them off because we're making Raquel Gonzalez the next title contender for EO. And the big loser here is the person who deserves a title reign of some kind in this thing the most, Dakota Kai, who in this match was just taking abuse and great at it. And I love Dakota Kai and I feel like she's been the victim of bad timing on her signing because had she come in a little earlier, she might have been a horsewoman. Now she is. What What do you do with Dakota now? Is she going to second Raquel in this title match and hopefully cause her the win, I guess? But you could have done that with the tag belts. And then this match was a real mess for her because she takes a ton of heat. The, the former champions now, 
don't really get much of anything throughout the course of this match, with the exception of the egregious breaking of the Eclipse, a move that 100% should absolutely be protected. And I was muttering when Raquel Gonzalez broke this, I was like, so help me God, if they don't win this match at this point, I will break my TV. Like because it, it's just it was <laughs> after after this whole week of like fa- pointless turns and what it, the eclipse is such an obvious move that needs to be protected because it's all about the momentum. It's not you can't outpower it because the way she's getting you is by using her downward physical motion. Um, like that shouldn't be broken by Raquel Gonzalez, but like the challengers got most of this match. That one big reversal by the heels is notable in the sense that the heels, the champions, the champions who are the heels probably went on the loser's side of 65 35 in this match. It was bizarre. Looks like Jordan Devlin is coming back to feud with, uh, Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar. Should make some for some matches. Yeah, I'm into these matches. I I, I like they don't I, they don't even really need to turn either one of them face and and don't worry they probably won't for any consistent length of time given the odds. Uh, but like I like the idea of them feuding. I think it's fun. I think it's uh, see I don't mind heel heel feuds sometimes. No, and I don't mind the grizzled young veterans coming out and facing Legato del Fantasma because okay, they seem Zach like the kind Gibson. of guys who would do that is a generational talent when it comes mm-hmm. to On here's the, the microphone you have the distance from the entryway down to the ring to get this match over to explain who's the good guy who's the bad guy and there's like no wasted motion in everything that Zach Gibson does like it's a tone thing it's a posture thing James Drake gets out of play off of this he amplifies it he also does a little more talking now too that they're getting a little more comfortable with him on the stick as well but Gibson like oh my god if I was starting a wrestling promotion and I you gave me like five people Gibson's definitely one of my five they can probably be Gibson MJF if I'm doing just men uh, Gibson and MJF would probably be in my top five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I need guys. I want guys for me. I want guys who can talk and that's what wrestling talks, is. It makes, it's about the stories. Yes. I, I need to like someone. I need to hate someone. I want to see a story play out where the guy I hate has bad stuff happen to him or even worse. Like I, I like seeing when the good guy I like has bad stuff happen to him. Cause I want them to get back and I want them to write the wrong that's happening to them. I'm a guy who thinks story happens when you have better characters yeah. and the problem is they plot they plot everything and so all the promos become about plot and i just i don't want to hear that anymore no i, I think to your point but it characters, feels like you should be oh, able to just pitch a scene to two characters the characters are really interesting like the undertaker and mankind are so different in terms of characters that you could pitch a scene between the Undertaker and Mankind, just like and Mankind, obviously would approach this problem in a very different way from the way the Undertaker does, and those characters and the strength of those characters makes the tension and the friction points really obvious. I'm a jerk with a big mouth, so of course I might run afoul of other heels because I have a big mouth. I am fine with that as logical storytelling. I really am. But it feels like we're getting a four-way for the number one contender because I'm assuming MSK and Brizongo are going to be thrown in here and we're going to have some schmas because it's going to be a spot fest for, for NXT TakeOver, which I guess is fine. I'll take it. 
Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think we're also probably going to get like a four-on-four match here along the way to take over. I think we'll get that in. I think we'll get that on the go home probably, or we'll get that leading up in some way. I, I could see that. Uh yeah, and then <laughs> Pete Dunn is killing people. Uh, Jake Poor Atlas. Jake Atlas. <laughs> Poor Jake. What the hell? I, when I saw him in the room, I was like, no, he's going to do the squash art. Oh, man. Like, I Jake would have been a big star in AEW, but nope, I want to pursue my dreams, and now he's pursuing his dreams. I don't know. I, I like him, but, man, <laughs> if you're going to beat him, he's not going to be anything. If you want to make him something, keep him off TV. I did like the, uh, if the you want, No, Ruff at this point, after, if though. we want to fix Jake Atlas, he's got to go off TV. we got to start doing like the Lucha Underground advertisement-style promos. Yep. Complete yep. refresh, complete reset. Get us back into Jake Atlas. Have him, like, honestly, yeah, have him doing stuff. And and then he does need to freshen up his gimmick. He needs something new um, entirely. Yeah, I I liked the Leon Ruff promo after this. I kind of like his and Swerve's little uh, program here. I like that Leon Ruff was angry, but there's too much of the I've been working so hard type of cra- Everybody works hard. Shut up. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, like, the good on this, I thought, was you know, we were talking about Big E and how I thought the, the framing. Intensity. The framing on Big E, though, the camera angle and, like, the actual. Yeah. I thought what they got on Ruff made him look. More formidable, so he's underdog, but like when you're up close, you felt a little bit more of his intensity. It humanized him a little bit more, made him a little less of a cartoon character. And as as an underdog baby face, I like Vince so often goes like, look at how small that guy is. Um, and I, and I yep. think what we need more is like a sense of intimacy with our underdog baby face. And like the, the angle that they were shooting rough, which I think was like a chest up sort of angle, gave him... It made him feel like a normal person um, and gave him like a, an adult level of seriousness. Some of the dialogue and stuff was, I'm happy to be here. What an honor and privilege it is to be a champion. It's and, my dream. It's always bah, been my dream. And yeah. that was, that was who? That was the the Zoe Starks promo. Yeah. Which I'd, didn't tell us anything about Zoe. No. Really. Other than, other than I was abused, but I came, I looked, I watched WWE and it made me feel good. And now I'm a wrestler. Uh, that, the worst part about the Zoe Starks thing is like, it felt like there's real stuff that they told her just gloss over it. And like, the it was like it wasn't even I was abused it was like dark times or so, something like that made it very clear that like something really bad happened that we had to gloss yes. yeah and I don't necessarily need to go into like the graphic R level details of what happened but like dude something more but, real but Hulk Hogan got me out of that okay yeah great. I know yeah, yeah I, I wanted to be Hulk Hogan which every mole- I mean also know your audience the. The Zoomer. Is she not a person of color? Zoe Stark? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. I I thought she might be. Well, never mind. Uh, yeah, no. I, 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 if that's true. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, but I. Okay. What I'm saying is Hulk Hogan from 1987. <laughs> it, it was not even relevant to 34 year old Chris who's listening to the show, right? Or listening to the show, uh, uh, listening and appearing on my own podcast. I'm gawking at myself as, a, as it were. Um, whereas for someone who was born in 2001, Hulk Hogan is entirely in the past tense. He's kind of like Bruno San Martino was to me. Yeah. 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 Like he's, he's a really, people are aware of Hulk Hogan, but like, I bet you a lot of the kids and by the kids, I mean like the 20 year olds and stuff that are going to AEW shows may not have ever watched a full Hulk Hogan match. 
from beginning, middle, and end. Have seen clips, know that he did the big boot and the leg drop, can even go like, yeah, 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 the, the one with the Ultimate Warrior match. But I don't know if they ever actually saw the Ultimate Warrior match from beginning, middle, and end. Um, and like Hogan, you know, rolling up his shoulder, any of that stuff. Just no resonance. And so when Zoe Stark is talking about Hulk Hogan, you know, I don't believe her. And I think that's the other part is, you know, I at 34 go like, yeah, he didn't have that resonance to you. Hogan sucked as, you know, and I, I just don't believe that. So we rushed through what should have been probably a takeover match to me, takeover level match in EO Shirai and Tony Storm to get to Raquel Gonzalez. I think this was a good match. Don't know what to do with Tony Storm now. She's turned on her tag partner already. Do they kiss and make up? Do you send Tony to the main roster? Could see that happen. I think she aligns uh, with Dakota and Raquel. Okay. I could I could go with that too. Yeah, I, uh, I mean that yeah. doesn't get me super it excited. It just feels I'm, like this this shouldn't have been a blow off to me. This should have been something and then if you wanted to move to, if if Raquel wanted to come down and interrupt this, I'd have been oh, that, that's fine the other with problem. it because Eo walking up to Raquel and getting right in Raquel's face, like you go, Oh, she's the crazy girl, she's tough, she didn't take no prisoner, she's an alpha. Um, what does the heel do to re raise on that? Uh, and, and what Raquel did was like Okay, she stands there staring yeah, for a few moments. Oh, goodness. Uh, no, and okay. what, what should have happened is Dakota and Raquel stop a mud hole in her um, and go like, yeah, challenge accepted. Yes, they should have beat her down. Weeks. Yeah. What are you doing in here? Just beat the crap out of her, and then there you go. You yeah, want a title I shot? Guess. Yeah, I want the belt. And beat her with the belt. Pete Dunn's killing fools. I'm here for it. Yeah, or, yeah we already well, did, that. did that. Uh, uh, Zia Lee Adam killing Cullen. fools. Oh, Zia Lee. Oh, Zia. No, Zia Lee getting killed by a crutch and then... Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but she did defeat Caden Carter by disqualification because annoying Casey Catanzaro, who you, you like, want to see her I get can't her. take it anymore! Uh, uh, when when <laughs> little Limpsy makes her way down to the ring <laughs> and, and she's, like, limping around... Oh, like, Tiny I, Tim. I want, <laughs> Tiny, I want Zylea to go out there and kick out Tiny Tim, kick out the crutch, and be like, this, is, this yes. is not a child's place. This is not Break a... the leg. This is an adult zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is adult swim, kid. Yeah, yeah, you need to wait your 15 minutes. Go and get some ice cream. Um, Send her packing. And instead, totally killing the heat of Zylea, in comes... Casey Catanzaro with her with her crutch breaking up the match, um, and then like then like Zaylee kind of starts getting the heat back, but then they start beating her up with the crutch. Zaylee's begging off, and then Boa shows up. We get some more inner gender because Lord knows <laughs> we we need an inner gender angle between Casey and Lacey and Boa and Zaya. Like what well, that there's a mixed tag match we want to see. Uh, that's something we're excited about. And, and then that gets broken up. So, like, all of the intrigue and the mystique of these now rebranded and martial arts trained um, fighters from China, Zaya and Boa, have been sort of destroyed because 
Caden Carter and, and Lacey Lane, who did not win. Uh, I'm like blanking the out. The Lollipop Guild. Yeah, freaking who did up. not win that tournament, who were second-round right. flameouts in that tournament where they were like, we're going to win it. We're going to the finals. And then they lose. Like, <laughs> they've dismantled your new super mystical kung fu martial yes. arts movie angle. Like, no, this this sucks. Uh, Casey Catanzaro has go away heat with me. I thought there was potential wow. with at one point, but like I want nothing. I, I I want her to be a heel and her to be annoying, or I want her to go away. You're scaring me. That's <laughs> uh, why am I turning the, uh, into the... you? Are you worried that I'm aging? <laughs> wow, you went there, huh? I went there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Can see you on camera. I can see you on camera being smug on this mm-hmm. one. Comfortably we'll end so. With a, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam Cole gets soundly and cleanly defeated by Finn Balor. Kyle O'Reilly comes in, takes off the Undisputed Era. Armband. I, I loved the moment in commentary where uh, Wade goes. Uh, so is that M. Cole's music or the Undisputed Era's music? Because we don't know. Well, Roman Reigns did you. this with the Shields music where he just sort of like appropriately yes. like, this is mine now. Seth Rollins, you will go from weird theme song to weird theme song after that one that sort of worked for you. I would love if the payoff of this whole thing for the Undisputed Era part, because it looks like they're going to break him off and go up against Kyle. Although I think Roddy may get entered into this as a three-way in some ways. Bobby Fish has to come back and ask McKenzie, hey, have the rest of the Undisputed Era got here yet? Can't find him anywhere. <laughs> I would love for Bobby Fish to, like, he's just not been paying attention to wrestling at all for the last yes. few months. Yeah, I've been out, yeah, 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 I've been yeah, on yeah. vacation. Hey, McKenzie, so, yeah, I've been away. What's ha- been going on? Haven't you been watching NXT? Yeah. No, I got better things to watch. No, Can't be a no, no, no. roster with yellow ropes. Screw no, that. of course <laughs> not. But like, so like, tell me what's been going on. What's Squirt been up to? Whoa, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's really wild. Leon Ruff won the North. Who is that guy? He won the North American title. Uh, so well, no, he has been back. Remember, he was back for war games. And he was back a couple okay, times. All right, all right. Like one time in between. All right. He hasn't been gone that long exactly. But yeah. No, hey, what's we Hey, how's Velveteen Dream doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's Bronson Reaper uh, up to? I, I think big things are on the horizon <laughs> for that guy. And then and then I guess we're going to get uh, now for TakeOver, Finn versus Fallen Prey. Uh, stand and Deliver, Fallen Prey, uh, Carrion Cross. Because he just, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> what took you <laughs> so long? Like a yeah. weird cheesy horror movie. I, 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 you know what that was? What that was? That was Goldberg killing all the fiends heat by going, "I know you're behind me," and then turning around like it's no big deal. Mm. Mm. Big E needed to take a lesson out of that playbook. If he had been able to do that with a, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. he's a rear view. Check, yeah, check all, guy, check just... all four sides of the ring, and then hit him with a "I know you're behind me" move. Uh, no, but like, no, I, I, I liked the spot in this where O'Reilly removes the armband from Adam yeah. Cole. I actually like, I, the, uh, the low blowing is getting a little gratuitous and like, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a lazy writing technique is my critique of it. It's just lazy and it, it reeks of laziness, but I actually like the whole, no, you betrayed 
what this is about. I'm taking the armband off. You can't kick me out. I'm kicking you out, buddy. It doesn't really matter who's kicking who out. But, like, the fact that Adam Cole was was pur- purporting to be the true inheritor of the Undisputed in, in the Undisputed Legacy. I like that O'Reilly's like, no, I still want that. That still matters to me. I think he's, he's putting it on himself. But, like, you don't get to take that from us. Yeah, and I hope Roddy joins Kyle in this. I hope the three of them maybe find a, thir- a fourth or they just go off on their own. Or, you know, maybe bring in a second woman again. You know, uh, take I Conti at that one week. Roddy and <laughs> O'Reilly going up against the Rising Imperium or the, you know, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Like, there's a lot of fun feuds for them along the way here where they could trade some losses. I liked, by the way, that that's something I skipped over. I probably shouldn't have, but the... Uh, I liked I liked the part of the of the Imperium angle where he goes, Hey, you know, we want you back. If you want to bring your friend, come along. We're fine with that. Whatever. And just kinda I thought that was kinda cool. I no, liked Marcel Bartel as a spokesperson. That that was great. Um I I liked I didn't like the Thatcher Champa dynamic. Like their part of it I thought was no, lacking. I didn't either. But I love as just a little plot point. But the Fabian Eichner part was great. It's like, hey, you know what? Because we all, hey, oh, you you have another friend? Yeah, bring him along down the That's party. A, it's That's a fine. way easier way to poison someone, right? Like, like, like if if you want to like seduce, some, maybe he's cool. No, maybe, bring him. Maybe he'll come in and get and, fit. And, and we're yeah. ch- we're chill people. You know, we're chill because you can bring one of your friends. It's chill. We're chill because you can bring a friend. Like you know, like. It, it, but we know you're cool. We know you're cool because you've been with us before. You bring your friend that's good enough for us as long as he's not, you know, slagging or anything. And, sure, no, no, I, it's it's like higher, like we, in terms of dramatic irony, can see the game being played there, but it, it's plausible and it's, it's it's like a good way of getting into Thatcher's head because the other part is Thatcher's smart. So you need to get into the guy's head in a way that is smart, and this is a smart way to get there. I really liked that beat. Um, I, I just thought that, like, Ciampa and Thatcher were like, it, it, the dynamic between them is such an untenable and unsustainable dynamic that they had to deliver this dialogue. I was like, well, surely, Thatcher, you can't be thinking of doing that, right? I mean, we don't need them, right? I mean, surely I'm, not, right? I mean, we, we don't need that. The problem is, problem is, it's disappointing if Walter doesn't come in and put the kibosh. Of course. Really, on, on Thatcher. It really, yeah, and so... No, they need, they, need to, they need to betray them quickly. Uh, I like yeah. I don't think Walter's coming though. I don't think Walter's coming to the states. That's the thing. Oh, so we'll see. Okay. Well, that's part of the deal. He really never wanted to come to the states all that much, other, except for special occasions. I could see him doing it. Maybe you know, for maybe, maybe for takeover. Maybe he comes over because that's a special occasion, so to speak. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I but I liked that part of it. That's some. Let's end on a good note then. Follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at DWATG. Uh, we are part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. We thank you all for listening. They and watching. Like and watching. They they can watch now. Well, well, the video the video may not be up, so let's not let's not put the cart before the horse necessarily. No, let's put the cart before the horse. That's how the cart gets there faster. The horse pushes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, visit the site, read the columns. We have some good ones up there, as well as other shows on the network, such as Music of the Mat with our friend Andrew Rich, who engages us in our arcane references and dad jokes all the time. Everything Elite, and of course, the flagship with Joe and Rich, talking all your Hot Pockets needs. Chris, you have podcasts that you do that are not wrestling, because you're an interesting person, unlike me. 
Tell us about them. Yes, I talk about the cameras. Uh, the cameras that are... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, don't worry about the government. I did do an episode on Ring Doorbell. The most recent show, though, has n- very little to do with cameras. I guess a little bit to do with government surveillance. Uh, it- it's about Myanmar, though. So if you're interested in a deep dive in Myanmar, I did a fair amount of research for this one. And, you know, I'm riffing, working off a slate. We've got like 14 different articles that I kind of pull through. So if you want to get caught up as to what's going on in Myanmar and get a little take of like where I, how I cash out on foreign policy and all that stuff, that's the episode for you. You can find it at don'tworry.tv on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And again, if you want to help me out, very nice tweet to Peacock TV asking them to interview me for the WWE gig. I'd appreciate it. Get at Thanks. me. I've got the bracelets. They spell his name. <laughs>